ghostly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disaster? us. God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. 
His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will all shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go. Amen. Good evening. It's time for church. Amen. This is Victory Christian Fellowship where we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. So welcome to church tonight. If you're joining us online, welcome to service and join in with us, worship, and get involved in the message and as we worship God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for tonight. We thank you, Lord, that you are here in our midst, that you are here to, uh, to receive our praises, to receive our worship to you. We open up this atmosphere for the presence of God to come and dwell among us. This is your house, God. And we're here to dine from your table. And we thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us and for all that we will receive from you tonight, but also for all the worship that you put in us to be 
given to you back tonight, Father. So we lift up our voices to give you praise and honor and glory in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's worship. Let's stand together.
up your holy name in this house. And we say this is the house of the living God, the only living God. And this is a place where we can hear your voice. So we thank you, Father, that you can speak to us in the now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The highest of high, that is who I am. The greatest of great, that is who I am. I am, and I am your father. I am the one who created you. I am the one who is rooting for you. I am the one that you look to in times of trouble. I am here to rescue you. I am here to guide you and to lead you into all truth. Come to me. Turn your ear to me and you will hear the answer. Turn your ear to me and everything else will be pushed aside and you will be able to hear me clearly. Come on to me because I am waiting with your answer. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you, Lord, that you are the one that answers us. In times of good and in times of bad, you are the answer. And we thank you, Lord, for this tonight. And we speak into this atmosphere that the voice of the Holy Spirit is the voice that has permission to speak here tonight, to to teach us things that we don't know, to show us things we've never seen, and to let us hear things we've not heard from you yet, Father. We thank you for your revelation knowledge to flow in this place tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Praise God. You may be seated. Thank you, Signature Worship. Awesome. Amen. Well, welcome tonight. I'm not Pastor Doug, in case you were wondering. (laughs) Uh, He is at the airport getting ready to go to India. So we uh, thank God for that trip to be very prosperous and fruitful. And for decades and generations to come, uh, lives and family genealogies will be changed because he is going to be um, teaching ministers that are going to go and uh, preach the gospel. Amen? Amen. So we so just keep him in prayer this week uh, and the next week and um, come to church. <laughs> I'll be preaching again on Sunday and then next Wednesday, Pastor Nelson will be preaching and then... Pastor Doug will be back on Saturday, but Pastor Nelson is set up to preach on Sunday just in case. <laughs> so we will, uh, we will keep things going while he's gone. Amen? Amen? Well, tonight, of course, if you want to give, I am not going to forget. The last time I preached, I forgot about the offering. If you would like to give, this is a great place to give. This is the house of God. It's one of the established giving places. Amen. You know how banks have their kiosk in different locations. You can drive through and get money out or whatever. This is one of God's location that you can give into his kingdom. Amen. So uh, anytime during the service, of course, you can give and make your checks out to VCF. Or if you're online, you can just follow the link 
in our uh, posting there, and you'll be taken to our website, and you can give online. Amen? And of course, you can always uh, give any time during the week if you're online. You don't have to just wait for a service. We have people that send us checks like years later after they've left. They would be doing their devotions, and the Lord will tell them, send BCF a check, and so they will. And we're like, thank you, Lord. So God, <laughs> God knows where his locations are, and he knows how to send uh, how to give people the opportunity to give in places that would best suit what he wants to do for them at that moment. Sometimes we don't think about that, right? But God may want something to happen in your life, and he knows where that field is that you need to plant to reap a certain benefit. Amen? So we always have to listen. Of course, if you're part of a local church, you want to support your local church first, so that's always a given. Amen? Well, I'm also not going to forget the kids tonight. We have the kids. <laughs> Are you guys ready? Yeah. All right. Let's give them a cheer. <laughs> and there I lost half my audience. Maybe they should come back. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> so are you ready for the word tonight? I think I've got everything. Uh, I don't know if there's any announcements I missed. We're still raising funds for our kitchen and project and our stage lights project um and of course that's coming in and our youth group they still have things for sale because their shop is still open amen do you have something tonight you said you're making something for tonight i thought or maybe for sunday okay a soup or something (laughs) okay yeah but anyway and of course our online shopify store you want to check that out share that with uh, friends that don't live here that's a good way to Reach out and let them know about our church. Amen? Everybody ready for the word tonight? So tonight, uh, the topic God gave me, and we'll see where we go from there, is grace for the decades of your life. Grace for the decades of your life, which a decade is 10 years. Unless I'm wrong on that. My understanding of a decade is 10 years. (laughs) And um, and I think when we look at life in the perspective of decades, it may give us more hope than this dragging on of life, so to speak, right? So let's start by um, going to, if, well, I'm going to read this for you. If you'd like to go, you can go Ephesians 2, 8, and it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. I'll wait for you to get there. I hear pages turning. So it's Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. And it says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Of God, So right in the beginning, your relationship with God starts with two ingredients, grace and faith. And it does not start with anything you can bring to the table except your yes. So when the gospel is presented to you, the only ingredient you can add to the information that is being shared with you for it to become part of your life is the word yes. That's really what it comes down to. 
There is nothing, there's no, you can't bring a platter of all your good works and say, well, let me give my part into this payment. Salvation is not a payment plan, right? It is a finished work. And so when we enter the relationship of salvation between God and us, it's through Jesus, then we are now in the covenant relationship with God, right? So we're just doing some basics here. And when we come into a covenant relationship with God, we go from darkness into light immediately, just like that. That we become a new creation in Christ Jesus. All of this has occurred without us yet doing one single good thing. Okay? So if you were standing next to a murderer and you were the young child born in a, in a Christian home and now you're making for yourself the, the decision on your own to receive salvation because you're of the age of accountability and you come up to the altar... The, the Christian child here and the murderer here, and you receive salvation, neither of you are being looked on as, okay, this is my better uh, believer than this one. No, 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 no. You have now both become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Okay? Do we understand this? So with that in mind, when we become saved, when we receive salvation, whatever age that is, we have been removed from under the curse into the blessing. And again, there's nothing we could offer to have that opportunity. Do you understand? So all these transactions have occurred and we have yet done nothing except say yes. We just sign on the paper of agreement. Yes, I agree. <laughs> to accept the payment that's already been made. That's what salvation is. Somebody's calling me from London, New Hampshire. Hello. If you would like my car warranty, it's already covered. <laughs> so you see how simple this is when you look, look back on your experience as a Christian. I, it, it's, it's told in so many ways and people feel all like, well, what should I do? I'm a terrible person. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I don't deserve this. Nobody deserves any of it. Okay? But before you deserved it, it was already paid for. So, right, so frankly, <laughs> rejecting it is kind of like it's kind of like being worse than not deserving it. Let's put it that way. Okay, because this all this sacrifice has already been made. The blood has already been shed. Jesus died and rose again, already done. So your acceptance or rejection is not going to cause that to not happen or to happen. It's already done. Right? So all of this to say, I want to bring us back to the basics, the basis of our salvation. We're all saved in here, to my knowledge. If you're not, I just gave a great salvation message. If you're watching online, I mean, really, it's just a yes. I'll take it, you know. So, <laughs> and you get all these things wiped out. Not just like, like you got moved, you know, like, like here you were and here, here's the life that God has for you. And they're still kind of touching. But you just kind of got 
moved over. No, 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 no. It's far removed from you. Right? It's far, far removed from you. And so now you are living in an atmosphere that, is, that has the blessing over it. This is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is at hand. You've received the kingdom, right? So no matter what age it was that you received salvation, from that age on, you have been entered into a covenant of blessing. So, and you have now entered into the grace through faith arena, like I read in Ephesians chapter 2, okay? For by grace are you saved through faith. So you brought your yes, which is the amount of faith that you have in you, that every person has in them to accept salvation. Your yes. And once you have received that, now you have a load of the things that God has planned for you that can now come out and start operating in your life. Okay? So, so I want you to consider everything else you did before you were saved. Don't, don't try to do from this day on. I'm talking go all the way back from be, before you were saved, the day you were saved, the day you received, the, you said yes, the day you signed the paper was the day the agreement was made that you went from curse to blessing. And those things are for your life. The only way you wouldn't have it is because of a lack of knowledge and because of a thief. It's not because God wouldn't let you have it, right? So what's been authorized for your life is authorized for your life. God's not going to take from Peter to pay Paul. He's got Paul's dose and he's got Peter's dose. They both have the, he got the warehouse for Paul and the warehouse for Peter. And he don't have to like skimp and like, you understand what I'm saying? Now, th- we're talking about the things that God has for your life, the gifts and abilities that he's put in you, right? The gift exchange occurred, if you know, when Jesus said he went into that captivity captive and all that, and then he gave gifts, gifts to men, right? So all this, all this happened as a whole transaction to which you're saying yes to. The gifts, all this stuff. The anointing is from the Holy Spirit that Jesus left here way before you were even a thought in any human on earth's mind. (laughs) You were already written in God's records, but nobody on the earth knew you were coming because the line you came down was thousands of years before you ever showed up. You see? So your life was created to be on a path of blessings, of producing blessing-type stuff. So let's think about what a curse produces. A curse produces things that look good, and then it fizzles out and dies. That would be like, you know, the rocky soil. They accept the seed, and then the, the cares come up and chokes it out produces nothing right the curse always looks that way that the bible tells us that we should not envy the wicked when they succeed right because if we do that we're comparing ourselves to a curse in operation we have the blessing okay 
Now, the blessing is designed to make sure that everything you do can multiply. In the Garden of Eden, when, G- when God created the trees and the fish and everything else, right? Let's go to Genesis 1. You getting something out of it already? <laughs> We're going to come around to how the decades of the grace adds up. I'm getting there. God will pull it out of me. It's in there somewhere. Okay. And so we see in Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. When did God divide the light? Before he spoke it or after? After, right? So there's an order to things, right? First, he had to speak it out. He had to get it out into the atmosphere that he was standing in. Then he could do something with it, right? Okay, and God called the light day and the darkness he called night. He named it after he did the division, right? And the evening and the morning was the first day. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide. And God made a firmament and he did all that stuff, right? Then let's go down to um, verse 26. And... I'm looking for another verse before that, but all right, the verse, okay, verse 25, and God made the beast of the earth after his kind and cattle after their kind and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. So God made the stuff first. Then he looked at it and gave a, uh, a stamp that says good. Okay? Now, what the devil wants us to do, I'm taking a break right here, but we're going to come back to this. What the devil wants you to do with your life is to contemplate whether what you're going to do that God asks you to do is going to be good or not. So if you don't feel like you're going to do it good enough, then you don't want to do it. But you understand the label of good can't come on something until after the thing has come out of you. Now, remember when you were born again, you were removed from the curse and put into the blessing. So this means the things that were put inside of you from the new kingdom are supposed to produce just like the the way God produced in the beginning. Right? Right? So everything that, he came, that came out of him, and he, he looked for it to be good. But here's the thing. The one thing that he found was not good was when he made man by himself, right? He didn't condemn himself for making something that wasn't good, did he? The blessing does not have condemnation words in it. Because the blessing has solutions in it. 
The curse condemns. That's what a curse is. A curse condemns. It, ca- it calls something unlivable. You know? Uninhabitable. If they, if they condemn a house, you can't live in it. Right? Because it's been condemned. That's what a curse is. A blessed house wouldn't be David condemned, would it? Would a blessed house have a label on it condemned? A house that is structurally safe? No evil is in it, you know, that everything is producing. They would never put a condemnation stamp on it, right? But what the enemy wants to get, see, he has to, uh, he has to make you think that you're inhabit, you know, what you're producing is uninhabitable and it's trash and all this stuff so that you would put the label on it yourself. Because legally, it can't be put on except what you call it. Right? So if God's asking you to do something in its undone form, remember before God said light be, what was there for what was there? Void, darkness, nothing, right? So if God were to contemplate what light would do, if he were to bring it on the scene, then we would have the right to do that too. But he didn't. We're operating like the king of our kingdom that we're in now. And the way he operates is he brings out what's in him out. Then he works it. You see? So he said light be and light came out and then he separated the light and the dark We can't imagine what light and dark mixed together looks like, but he knows. Why would he have to separate the light from the dark? They were mixed. We see the finished work and we think it's good. We think it's great that we have daytime and nighttime, right? But before that happened, it was mixed. Okay? So... Whatever you were designed and created to do, you have the ability to straighten it out when you start forming it. But if you ask the opinion of someone who doesn't have that ability, you will think it's not, it's not possible because they'll tell you it's not possible because they don't know how it's possible. Right? So, like, Josiah... I always talk about my kids when I preach. Oh, well. Josiah, you know, when we were in Tulsa, his biggest questions, he's in Tulsa, we're driving around, and you know his biggest questions are, why does that house have windows that are not symmetrical? Why are those buildings not symmetrical? What, that... The bricks are turned this way and then the other ones are turned that way. And why is that? All he looked at were structural things. Because that's what's in him. So when he starts performing what he was called to do, he'll be doing things of that nature and solving problems. He won't be asking, why is that that way? He'll say, this is how it can be this way. Do you see? But we all start off at a certain spot and you can recognize what your things are in you because it's the things you criticize. But it's really not criticizing, you're kind of noticing it. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of drawing your attention to it. 
But the enemy wants you to condemn it by criticizing it. But your job is to bless it by causing it to become better. You see? This is how you operate in the grace. I told you I'd come back to it. In the grace that God has given you for the things that he's called you to do. Okay? Now, let's look back again here in 25, Genesis 1, 25. Um, well, 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle and over all the earth and over everything creeping that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. We were not created in the image of anything else but God, who we just saw operate. So God demonstrated what his what he can do and then created an image of that same type of person that he just demonstrated. God created the first human, right? And then he expected humans to multiply. So we can create humans, let's put it that way, if we do it God's way, right? Um, And the reason for our speaking things and doing things is for dominion. It is for dominion. If you look at verse 20. Um, 9, or, you know, verse 28, subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea. He said, have dominion over the things that I have created, that God created, right? And now we can follow the same model and we can have dominion over the things that we have created. Okay? Except the humans. God gave us free will, and we have to allow the humans that we created to have their free will as well, right? But all the other things that come out of us, the creative things, the inventions, the solutions, all those things, we are to have dominion over them. If we don't have dominion over them, they will be stolen and controlled by another, Okay, so having dominion over something, having authority over something requires a certain power and authority, right? An empowerment. Well, grace is God's word for empowerment. Okay, remember in in Ephesians chapter... Um, 2 and and verse 8, where we were grace and faith came together, right? Without faith, it is impossible for us to please God. So we please God with our life by having faith in God. The Bible tells us that faith is our victory. So to have victory, we use faith. Okay? Grace is the empowerment to do the assignment and the instruction. 
You remember when Paul was talking to God about the thorn in his flesh, right? And he, and he said, I got this thorn in my flesh, and uh, it's a messenger of Satan. And what was God's response to him? My grace is sufficient for you. Did the thorn in Paul's flesh stop him from doing ministry? No, it did not. Because grace came in when God told him what he had. See, he already had it. Because God said, my grace is sufficient for you. God didn't say, here, let me give you some grace so you can overcome it. He is telling him what he already gave him is sufficient. Right? That he had already given him grace for this assignment. And that grace is sufficient for him to take care of the thorn in the flesh. So there's a lot of debate in the body of Christ what the thorn was. Was it a sickness? Was, so here's, here's my take. The thorn in the flesh was a messenger of Satan. If you are a messenger of the kingdom that kills, steals, and destroys, what would possibly be the thorn? Anything that still steals, kills, and destroys, wouldn't it? <laughs> so it could be in any form. It could be sickness. It could be every time Paul tries to do something, they're stealing it. It could be, it could, that's a thorn in the flesh. It's an obstacle. So, so let's not get all like, oh, it was a sickness, oh, it was a this. It's a messenger from Satan, which means they carried everything that Satan would give them to give us a message. And Satan's message is steal, kill, destroy. That's a thorn in the flesh, right? So grace from God for the assignment is sufficient to take care of any thorn in the flesh. Do you see that? So, let's go back to the decades in Hebrews chapter 11. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. And verse 26. Everybody with me? I'm not running and jumping to keep you alert. So do what you got to do. <laughs> Hit yourself on the head. I don't know. Okay. Hebrews 26. I mean, Hebrews 11:26, And we're looking at the life of Moses here. Right? And it picks up that, um, well, let's see here. Verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in heaven, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch him. By faith they passed through the Red Sea on dry, as by dry land, which the Egyptians, saying to do, were drowned. By faith the wall of Jericho fell down. Do you see all these things that happen by faith? Now, let's look at Moses' life for a minute. When he was born, every child his age was marked for death. And God protected him. His mother had wisdom. and had, She saw him and saw something in him and said, I have to keep this child alive. 
The way he looked caused her to say he can't die with the rest of them. Right? Moses couldn't say anything. He didn't know he was a baby. Right? When he was a baby, he was given into the house of a king that was the enemy to his people. That was the house that was killing all the other people his age. Okay? He was raised in that house, but God arranged it that his mother would nurse him i.e. train him in the things of God while she's nursing him, right? Then he grows up and he is trained in the best schools of the world system to take over. But he forsook it. And it was by faith, the Bible is saying by faith he did all these things. Do you see? Now, how does he have the power to do this? It was the grace of God that was deposited in him with the gift. Do you see why God was so upset when he was announcing how he couldn't talk? Why would God be upset at someone explaining their, you know, their inability to do something when God says, who gave you the mouth, right? Remember he said, who gave you your mouth and everything else. But God arranged for him to still have help because he asked for help. There is an example of free will. God let him have his free will. He was determined not to do this by himself. So God, God gave him somebody to help him, right? But look at Moses' life. You would think somebody that starts off like Moses has lost years, right? So what could he possibly do? What age was he when he started his ministry? He was 80. He was trained for 40 years. It's almost like all the training he had in Egypt was for nothing. Think about it. He went and had to train for 40 years to be able to be a deliverer for God and his people. And it wasn't that the time wasn't yet for the people to be delivered. It was because they were 30 years late. God said 400 years to Abraham, and it was 430 years that they were slaves. Right? But here's the thing. God allowed Moses to be trained properly. Moses had grace for the training. The decades of his life did not stop him from accomplishing what God wanted him to do. If Moses had decided, I'm going to retire, I'm just going to quit because, you know, at least I brought it up that the people should be delivered, but God choose another leader and get them out of here. At least I, you know, I left the palace. I left my cushy lifestyle. I'm sacrificing. Would that have produced anything? No, because he didn't, he didn't take out the deliverer that was in him. He didn't put it out there for it to be arranged for freedom to come to the people. Do you see? But 40 years of training to do that. That's what he did. 40 years of training. In the meantime, he got married. He learned how to take care of sheep. He did all these things in four decades. And the end result was he didn't even get to go in the place he was getting them to. Right? This was before Jesus. This all happened before Jesus. We have a better covenant. Right? We have a new covenant. 
We have a new and living way. Things can happen faster. So my question to you is, have you, somebody has been thinking this because there's no way on this planet I would come up with this idea myself. I never thought of it before. Grace for the decades of your life. Somebody has been thinking, I ha- it's over. I missed my chances. I missed so many opportunities. What am I supposed to do now in this part of my life? How could God use me? Blah, blah, blah. Here's my thing to you. I got so many scriptures of which I said none. Here's my thing to you, though. The grace for the thing God has called you to do and made you to do is attached to it. So when you decide to put it out there, there is grace that is sufficient to handle any thorn in the flesh. Thorn in the flesh that includes my thoughts in your mind that says, Who do you, what do you think you're doing? Thorn in the flesh from words of people around you for decades telling you what you can and cannot do. Thorn in your flesh for the era in which you were brought up that labeled certain types of people can do certain types of things. All of those obstacles can be completely overcome by the grace of God for you, for your particular thing. This is why it's dangerous. In my book, Identity Reset, I I touch on this. It is dangerous to not do something because somebody else that you perceive is better than you tried and failed. Because they might have been trying to do your assignment And if you decide to do your assignment, whoever else is trying to do your assignment will always fail because you were the one designed to do it. So if you would just take the time to do it, you will see what a great success it would be because you have grace on it for you to do it. How come nobody else wrote as many books in the Bible as Paul? Look look at how all those 12 disciples that spent time with Jesus. Do you know Paul was around when Jesus was around? It wasn't like he just showed up as a young boy on the scene and, you know, he learned about the Hebrew culture and all the Jewish rituals and decided this is what Christians are. No, he was there when Jesus was there. Yet he never spent any time with Jesus. He was more on the Pharisee side, apparently, because he knew all their rules and regulations and enforced it quite forcefully. But yet, here, he's the one whose letters we're reading as a church. He's the one whose prayers we're praying. Isn't that something? And, and he's the one who has the most controversial verses about women in ministry and about thorn in the flesh. <laughs> Think about it. Yet... Here we are, God decided to put all, because it was in him the whole time. That's why when Jesus arrested him and said, why are you persecuting me? Right? He had a decision to make. And when he made the decision to follow Christ, everything changed and it just started producing. Do you see? Because now he came in covenant with the blessing Instead of with the curse. He was on the side of the curse. He was operating for the curse the whole time. But when he switched over to the blessing, 
the, the force of the speed of the blessing of God's kingdom met his decision. And multiplication started happening. Do you see? Yeah. <clears throat> he was preaching in the same circles as Peter. He was preaching in the same circles as all the big wings that, that were Jesus' apprentices. You see? The, the blessing of God when he got over there and the gift of God in him, boom, caught him up. He even said that he was taught of no man, but he went and he was taught by the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit can do faster teaching than anybody else can. And so if you feel like you are behind in your commitment to Christ, what you're supposed to do, let the Holy Spirit teach you to get you caught up, to show you what your shiny gift can do. What this shiny toy God put in you, what it can do to show you what could be accomplished in your life through your life. But you have to allow it to come out. You can't sort it out inside. <clears throat> the problem you were created to solve is not in you. The problem is not in you. The solution is in you. God was standing in the middle of a problem, a big problem. And so he knew the solution was inside of him. So he spoke out the solution and solved the problem once he brought the ingredient of his solution on the scene. What has the enemy done to people today? He has caused them to reverse it. He has caused them to come into a scene with a problem and instead of speaking out the solution, they take the problem and bring it inside. Yeah. That's the curse that's operating like a curse. You don't bring the problem inside to solve it. You speak to the problem from the solution in you out to the problem. You put the solution out with the problem so that you could now speak to the whole atmosphere and tell it what to do because you've added the solution to it. You, you know how many times Pastor Doug would preach and tell us you have to say the word. You have to speak the word. When you pray, speak the word. When something's going on, speak the word. Here is why. You have to introduce the word into that situation. A lot of people think that because they knew a verse before because they knew something before it's like well we i already know that i know all these things it's not about what you know we know you know it it's in you you know it now take it and use it do you see the difference don't sit in the middle of a mess and not speak the solution you have to say the solution. Then you can start solving the problem. If you don't say it, you are now absorbing the problem in you. That's not a good place for the problem to be. How many people have felt better when they just take everything on themselves? You just feel so great. You wake up and you're like, wow, I'm refreshed. With this problem rolling around my brain, I'm just so refreshed. Nobody's ever done that. Right. It's the reason why people go into depression 
and why people commit suicide and why people think that there's no way out because they absorb, they suck the problem into them. You, when you walk into an atmosphere where there's a problem, you should first speak whatever solution is in you, speak it. And here's an idea. What if you're not the only one with the solution, but there's other agents that God has that he's sending to speak to? There's a thought. You remember when the children of Israel were in the wilderness? They had allies. Didn't they have allies? They, they teamed up with nations around them. Yeah. That was part of their solution to get them out. Do you see? It started with Moses. They, he got them so far. And then there were angels that protected them. All kinds of things were happening. So you have to see the agents of God around you to be able to team up with them, not the agent, agents of darkness. <clears throat> How many people team up with the agents of darkness? The people multiplying the problem is who they team up with. Oh, yeah. This always happens. I'm telling you, it's never changed. It's been this way for 25 years. Well, how long were the children of Israel in bondage? Uh huh. 430. So if they were having this conversation, be like, guess what, guys? It's never going to, it's been over 400 years. We are well trained in being slaves. Here's what you do to get around the system. And you teach it to the next generation. And nobody speaks the solution. Nobody speaks the solution. Joseph spoke a solution when he told them what to do with the excess food in Egypt. Did he not? He heard the dream. God showed him the dream. He told the dream. He, he interpreted the dream. That was all inside of Joseph while he was in jail. And he was put in front of the right audience to speak the solution. The atmosphere of the king's palace was one of confusion. They were all afraid because he went through all of them and nobody could answer his question. Nobody could solve the problem. And Joseph shows up. And he solved the problem. And he got the job. And that job gave him access to give his family land in the middle of a famine. When everybody else was giving up their land to buy food, his family got land and food. And they didn't have to give anything up. Do you see what the blessing does? The blessing makes us the head and not the tail. The blessing gives us access to things when everybody else has to pay for it. The blessing gives us favor because it's attached to the grace of God. Grace and favor are used interchangeably a lot in the Bible. But the empowerment of God, it puts a coat on you. If you want to call it like the coat of many colors that Joseph had. He didn't have it with him in Egypt, but it still showed up when he showed up. He had that same favor. Right? So my question is, what have you given up on? Because you think time has ran out. Every decade of our life, there's grace on it to do something. Every single decade. So if you look back at your life, take note. After the Lord was showing me this, I thought, let me take note. Like, what did I do in my 20s? And what did I do in my 30s? And what did I do in my 40s? You know what I'm saying? Like, take note of it and, and create a rejoicing 
list. Because there was grace enough that act, got activated for you to be here today. You're not in some crazy house somewhere. If you were, you got through that phase. Fine, you're here. <laughs> All's well. <laughs> you won. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? The devil wants to show you the past and the curse and what it did to you. God has plans for our future that is attached to the blessing. When the blessing takes over, it multiplies good things. When the curse remains, it keeps depleting, depleting, depleting until you have nothing left. That's the whole point of the curse. So you could end up being like a condemned person. That's not what you were saved for. You were not saved for that. You were not saved to live on this earth to fizzle out and die so you can go live forever in heaven. No, 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 no. You were saved to live forever, period, on earth and in heaven. Continue it in heaven. Do you see? So don't buy the lie that age will cause you to decrease in what you're supposed to do because in Moses' life that didn't happen, in Noah's life that didn't happen. In Joshua's life, that didn't happen. In Caleb's life, that didn't happen. In Joseph's life, that didn't happen. Right? Did any of these people just phase out? (laughs) You see? And certainly in Jesus' life, that didn't happen. So the grace of God is attached to your gifting, to your calling, But it's inside of you, and when you speak into the atmosphere, it comes out with it. And people will start looking at you in the context of that subject matter with favor, because the grace has favor on it. But if you show up and start behaving like they're behaving, where no problem could be solved, then you are now on the curse spectrum when you're a blessing child it doesn't work it's not going to work for you i don't ever want to be identified with the unsolved mysteries you know i i had a phone call yesterday because i was making a phone call to a person who's the only one that could give me some information you know, Gabe's car was stolen, and so I still want to know who stole my car because my name's on the thing. I'm like, you messed with me. I, I got, it must be found out. So we found the car, rekeyed it, insurance took care of it and all that, but you, I used my time, my energy, and I'm not going to have an unsolved mystery in my life. So we're going to find out who took this car. So in order for this to happen... I have, there's video surveillance, all this stuff. So I left like four messages. And so yesterday I got a call back from the police officer because I, I, you know, I, I, I finally left a very stern message in my stern diplomatic voice and <clears throat> indicating there might be somebody who is more authorized to get this information than you maybe. That's why you haven't called me back. And <laughs> when he called, I thought, I said, oh my gosh, you are real. You are a real person. (laughs) And he, you know, we had a good conversation. I said, listen, I had to be a little stern on those messages because I wasn't here. He goes, no, you're fine. He said, trust me, people have done a lot worse. You you were just fine with what you said. I said, thank God. (laughs) This is the one man that can help me. But the thing is, 
Then we had a conversation, and then I got to give him deeper information and more information, and now he's on my page because it's possible that he could have a solved case on his case this month if he follows what I'm telling him, right? And as a detective, that's a good thing on your record. You don't want to have some unsolved case. So, so, so the point is, in the kingdom of God, our record should show solved, 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 answered, answered, thief found, Thief found. Goods returned with the sevenfold. Goods, re- you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. We should not be in the same record category as our neighbor who is not following God. This is like unacceptable to me. I don't know about you, but it is unacceptable to me to have the same win record or worse than a person who doesn't follow God. Like that is not acceptable. <laughs> because Jesus didn't do all that work for us to be the same. Your master and my master are completely different people. So I should be better than you in my records of win. I don't care how good you are. I'm supposed to be better. And that's not a pride statement. That's a kingdom statement. That's how you know which kingdom you're part of. Do you see? So in your life, whatever decade you're living in, I got one year left in this decade. Oh, my gosh, when I was thinking about it today. (laughs) See how God has given you wins. Analyze what you did to get the win. Look at your win record. I'm telling you, it would be the complete opposite of any losses you had. And follow the path of the win record. Pass that down to your children. Don't pass down the lose record. (laughs) Don't be telling them who did you wrong and what they did. You know, when David was passing down to Solomon the kingdom and he told him who the friends were and who the foes were. But when he told him about the foe, it was a pass on to defeat that enemy. Don't keep, you know, don't stay away from them. Defeat them. That's why I'm telling you they're an enemy. You understand what I'm saying? And the person I'm telling you is a friend. Always keep a place on the table for them. The king's table for them because they showed us favor. Do you see? So when you're passing information down to your family, you're not passing down, well, we stay away from those people because they did us bad. No. Let's defeat the enemy so that our generations from now aren't doing the same thing we're doing, shying away from a problem. Solve the problem. <laughs> okay? I think the story of Romeo and Juliet would have gone a lot differently if that had happened, but, you know. <laughs> Uh, okay, I'm going to give you some scriptures that you can look up because we, you know, I talk too much. Romans 4:16. This has to do with faith and grace together. Romans 4:16. Romans 5:2. Romans 12:3. Romans 12:6. I already gave you Ephesians 2:8. And I'm going to read this one to you, John 1:17 in the Amplified. It says, "For while the law was given through Moses, grace, unearned, undeserved favor, and spiritual blessing, and truth came through Jesus Christ." You see that? So, if you're going to live with grace empowerment, which is how we should live, 
It's not to tell you how far you can go before you're not sinning yet. That's ridiculous. <laughs> it's about how much you can beat the devil up and move on. That's really what it's for. Grace, empowerment. How much you can get the thorn to crumble with the grace that's on your life. I think Paul crushed the thorn. What about you? Yeah, I think he fulfilled what he was supposed to do. They put him in jail. They accused him wrongfully. He got on the ship, I mean, the shipwreck, all this stuff. And the man still did what he was supposed to do. To the point where he actually was saying, I could leave now if I wanted to, but I'm going to stick around a little longer. Do you see? Like, he literally, he lost so many years working for the devil. And he got so caught up in what he was supposed to do. He was caught up. That he could actually decide that if I wanted to, I could leave, but I'm not going to. I'm going to stay for you. Come on. (laughs) So God could take one decade of your life and reverse everything that ever happened bad or wrong or you didn't do for the previous decades. Think about it. He could literally, within that decade, fix it and get you in a place where you can decide. Well, I think I stick around a little longer. Nah, I think I want to go. Whatever. Don't leave the earth with stuff in you. (laughs) You've got to take it out. The solution, you know, it's bad enough that babies don't get born, you know, with the abortion thing, right? So they, they die, they go to heaven with all that in them. Never got to touch the earth. Well, it's bad when you lived and kept it in you. And even got saved. And still kept it in you. That's bad. (laughs) That's not good. (laughs) You want to ask God, what do you have in me that I haven't yet spoken out? What do you have in me that you've given me grace and empowerment for that I have not even shown to this generation? What is it? Every decade he'll have something for you. It is not over. You, you don't decide, oh, well, I'm such age, so now I'll just watch. <laughs> the spectators' rooms are up in heaven. <laughs> Those balconies exist in heaven. The ones on earth are for action. <laughs> you speak things, <laughs> right? And you see, watch them come to pass. Your eyes and your mouth, all those faculties are for here, right here on this earth. Amen? That's my message for tonight. I don't want to tell you anymore. It's too much. (laughs) I have to preach Sunday yet, so I'll save some for Sunday. But did you learn something? You know, we have the grace of God. We are in the blessing. Don't let the devil tell you a lie. Don't look like the rest of your family who's living like a curse. Look better. I mean, heck, start with looking better. I mean, that's going to help. You know what I'm saying? Just look better on the outside. Don't look the same. (laughs) Do something different on the outside so that this stuff, it's, it's a yes to God. It's like, I'm on board. Yes, I'm on board. Let's go. You know, Moses had a staff. Like, I'm, I'm serious. When I say do something different, do something different. Don't look the same as the cursed people. Look like the blessing. Amen. Let's stand together. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you, Lord, for your word. 
that produces life, that gives us abundance, that is blessed in itself. Your word on its own is the blessing to us. And so, Father, we just thank you for that word. We speak it out into this atmosphere. And, Father, we thank you for the seasons of our lives that you have, de- that you have set up, seasons where things are being planned, where things are being created so that multiplication can happen. And we reject every word of the enemy to come in and condemn anything that we're doing for you, Father. We even reject the words of condemnation over this church and this congregation and this audience and these family members. And, Father, we reject every word of condemnation. We send it back to the cursed kingdom. And, Father, we are over here in the blessed kingdom of God. And we activate inside of us everything that you have put in us for this season of our life. We say, Holy Spirit, show it to us. Speak it through us. And we agree with you, Holy Spirit, for everything you say and everything you think that we can do. Everything we ask and think, Father, you will multiply. And we thank you, Lord, that we are the blessed, that we have the grace of God For any thorn in the flesh, in the name of Jesus, it doesn't matter what it is and how long it wants to proceed onto onto the earth, but we are blessed and we always overcome it. We always do what we're supposed to do. We are always capable of fulfilling your assignment to us. In the name of Jesus, we pray, Father. Amen. Amen. And amen. 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 Well, God bless you guys. I will see you on Sunday. Amen.